This episode might contain scenes that include violence and other sensitive details. Listener discretion is advised. Also, do hit the notification bell so you won't miss the next episode. Enjoy! In Gurugram, a city southwest of New Delhi, the 8th of September 2017 was a tragic day for everyone, and the students of Ryan International School had it the worst by far. It's a day that will forever be embedded in the memory of Barun and Sushma Thakur, the parents of seven-year-old Pradaman. On this very day, their beloved son was found murdered in the bathroom of his own school. The devastating news of Pradaman's death left an emptiness that could never be filled. It's difficult to imagine the wave of emotions his parents must have gone through. Disbelief, denial, anger, and perhaps even a sense of guilt. Losing Pradaman was probably one of the most traumatic experiences in the world for them. But now, it was about to get much worse. Because they had to cremate him. This is Heinous, an Asian true crime podcast brought to you by Mediacorp and produced by OneUp Media. One day after Pradaman's murder, funeral rites were performed for the boy. Thousands of angry protesters lined the streets of Gurugram. Hand in hand, they marched behind Barun, shouting, God is the only truth, at the top of their lungs. Right at the front, the little boy's body was held up with wooden sticks and draped in a bright yellow cloth. Barun walked ahead of the pack, as he led the procession to the cremation site. In a documentary about the case, Barun said that he knew some of the attendees who had young kids of their own. He also said that there were over 3,000 people that have gathered there, most of whom he's never met. When we looked at videos of the funeral, Barun is pictured in a black t-shirt, visibly distraught and overwhelmed with emotion. It was obvious that the people were upset with the local police. They knew something wasn't right. Earlier on, police had presented the public with what they claimed to be the culprit behind Pradaman's murder, a 42-year-old bus conductor named Ashok Kumar. During the press conference, the police repeatedly asserted that Ashok was the perpetrator, and for a minute, the public were convinced. However, as the situation progressed, there were quite a few gaps in the story. In the last episode, we mentioned that police had allowed the media to pose questions and almost interrogate the alleged killer face to face. 
This was quite bizarre, as it was something that wouldn't normally occur during a criminal presentation. Things got more suspicious because Ashok kept giving the same replies. He would continuously confess to the crime and state his motive as, I don't know, I just lost my mind. As much as everyone tried to believe that he was the killer, it just didn't sit right. In addition to Ashok's strange behaviour, there were several other factors that would have led people to believe that something was wrong. According to a 2019 study conducted by Common Cause, a non-profit based in New Delhi, 73% of police officials believe that their working conditions have taken a toll on their physical and mental health. The study also concluded that one-fourth of police officers work for more than 16 hours a day and the average workday could last anywhere from 12 to 14 hours. <sighs> Despite the longer working hours, four in five personnel have revealed that they don't even get paid for overtime work. Additionally, according to India's Code of Criminal Procedure, a police officer who makes an arrest is not permitted to keep the individual in custody for more than 24 hours without the permission of a magistrate. The long hours, lack of pay, and strict regulation of police practice can put officers in tough situations. When that happens, it might lead police to make tough decisions. Outraged by the outcome of the investigations, the thousands of angry protesters swiftly took the law into their own hands. Gurugram is a city known for its opulent skyscrapers, vast golf courses, and its ranking as India's third highest per capita GDP. But on the other hand, there is the Gurugram that is infamous for its recurring acts of violence and loosely controlled aggression. Gurugram also happens to be located in one of India's most notoriously patriarchal states, Haryana. To give you an idea, here's a not-so-fun fact. For centuries, families in villages of the Gurugram region would welcome the birth of a baby boy with holy rituals, ceremonies, and celebrations. But if a girl is born, things don't quite work the same way. The family would begin to mourn, and in extreme cases, the baby girl would be killed. Before birth, if gender determination tests were to conclude that a fetus is a girl, it might also be aborted. Fortunately, this is a dying tradition and things have changed over the past decade thanks to efforts from India's government to raise awareness and lay down strict laws against gender determination tests. The city also has a popular culture of toxic masculinity. For many men, being tough, ambitious and eager to pick up a fight are all parts of what makes one achieve an ideal manhood while practicing self-restraint, being emotional and waiting for the law to take its effect can be seen as unmanly and undesirable. As a result, people also take a certain sense of pride when it comes to solving their issues with violence. 
acting wimpish is a betrayal of manhood, while good old violence shows the opposite, that manhood is alive and kicking. Although society is progressing, in times of crisis and trauma, things can quickly get out of hand. Protests and rallies over progress in a case got more and more brutal, which forced riot police to resort to violent tactics to disperse crowds. In short, police charged into the crowds, holding long wooden sticks, beating anyone that resisted. A visibly worn out and exhausted Baroon said, I want justice, that's all. I just want a fair investigation. With that, the CBI was brought in. Hey listeners, as we continue to revive more Asian true crime stories, we hope you continue to support the show by giving us a 5-star rating on Spotify. The CBI, or Central Bureau of Investigation, is considered to be the most elite investigation agency in the whole of India. It was established in 1963 and mostly deployed for high-profile cases of dowry death, corruption, and murder. If the local police couldn't give the people the answers they desperately needed, perhaps a national-level organization could. The CBI thus sent a forensic team to the school to review the evidence, and what they found was rather surprising. According to the CBI, the knife used to kill Pradaman was completely different from the knife that Gurugram police originally presented. This led to speculation of the Gurugram police swapping the knives and framing Ashok. In addition, the CBI also stated that there were no signs of struggle or semen found on Pradaman's body. This completely debunked the original theory of sexual assault and removed any connection of Ashok Kumar to the case. The CBI then cleared Ashok's name of any involvement in the murder and subsequently released him several days later. Upon his release, he was swarmed by reporters at his home. During interviews, Ashok was seen struggling to breathe, walk, and was clearly in pain throughout. He told reporters that while in police custody, he was repeatedly slapped, beaten, and denied any food for two days. He was forced to confess if he didn't, the police would continue beating him until he did. This is a statement given from the police commissioner of Gurugram. Investigative agencies do make mistakes. It's possible we made an honest mistake. Let the CBI find out. We're open to scrutiny. If we're wrong, then gun my team down. I've no problem with that. The CBI investigations took some time, but on the 8th of November, two months after the murder of Pradaman, there was a breakthrough. The CBI has detained a Class 11 student from an international school in Gurugram. The boy has been charged with the murder of Pradaman Thakur.
Crowds of reporters surrounded the perimeter of the Juvenile Justice Court in Gurugram, poking their heads through the metal gates to catch a glimpse of this new alleged murderer. People were shocked. Nobody expected the killer to be a student. As the white van carrying the boy entered the premises, it was being mobbed by reporters. Out popped the boy, sporting a football jersey and wrapped in scarves to conceal his identity. As the boy was under 18 years of age, he was given a pseudonym. The court decided on the name Bolu, which according to the mother of the accused, means innocent. From the CBI investigations, it was found that Bolu was among the first few people to alert school staff about Pradaman. Additionally, CCTV footage taken from Ryan International clearly depict Bolu exiting the washroom around the time that Pradaman was killed. As more and more evidence came to light, students of Ryan International started speaking up too. According to numerous student accounts, Class 11 students were upstairs completing an English examination on the morning of the murder. Bolu was supposed to take the exam too, but he was seen walking nervously into the room right as the paper was about to end. This was what one of Bolu's former classmates had to say. Bolu was sitting in the first seat on the second row, and I was sitting on the last seat of the third row. He didn't write anything. His hands were shaking the whole time, and he left the entire paper blank. After the exam had ended, that same classmate approached Bolu and asked him, What happened, man? Why were you late? What did the teacher tell you? Bolu replied, I found a boy lying on the floor. There was a lot of blood and I was calling out to him. A teacher asked me to quickly inform another teacher. I did that and then I came to class. There was a silence that came between them. But it was broken when Bolu continued to say, I'm scared and shivering. Do you think I could have done something like this? You could tell something was wrong. Bolu looked really nervous and said all sorts of things like, I was the first one to see the boy. I was the first one who informed the teachers. What if everyone thinks that I've done it? I couldn't have done this. My own brother is six years old. Do you think I could have done this? The CBI seized Bolu's computer and phone and conducted a deep dive into his internet activity before and after the murder. What they found was truly shocking. Bolu's internet search history revealed that he had tried to look for ways to cover up his misdeeds. 11 days after the murder, he had googled how to remove your fingerprints. In the presence of his father, 
two independent witnesses and a juvenile welfare officer, Bolu broke down in tears and confessed to the crime upon being questioned by the CBI. These are excerpts taken from his confession. I saw a small boy alone with a bag. I followed him. The boy was standing in the middle of the washroom. I took him to the extreme right toilet. He was facing the toilet and I was standing behind him. I took out the knife from my pocket, held his head with my left hand and with my right hand, I held the knife and cut his throat. But why did 16-year-old Bolu kill his 7-year-old schoolmate, Pradaman? After going through the reports submitted from the CBI, the motives are far more absurd than we had initially thought. The CBI claims that Bolu himself was aware he had an exam to take on the morning of the murder. He was also aware of his recent poor academic performance and knew that he couldn't perform well on this exam. A parent-teacher meeting was also due in the coming days and Bolu was well aware of the consequences if his parents had learned about his subpar academic performance. A CBI official said that the student, quote, believed that a sensational act would either force the school to shut down for a few days or create enough disruption to cancel the exams and the parent-teacher meeting. However, Bolu's parents consistently denied their son's involvement in the murder because according to them, Bolu was a kind and happy child that was extraordinarily gifted in music. His father would even later accuse the CBI of torturing his son in order to force a confession out of him, claiming that if the Gurugram police were able to get a 42-year-old man to confess within an hour, his son must have endured much more having been detained for more than 12 hours. Visibly angry, Bolu's father is quoted saying, Give me three hours. I can get anyone to confess to this murder in three hours. Not just anyone. I can get the CBI super cop to confess. All I need is three hours, and I bet he will give it in writing that he has committed the murder. But if you think that murdering a fellow schoolmate to avoid taking an exam is ludicrous, wait till you learn that this was actually Bolu's backup plan. Allegedly, his original plan was to mix poison into the school's water tank. He thought that if students had drank the poison water and died, it would cause enough of a stir for the school to shut down and postpone the examinations. According to Sushma Thakur, Pradaman's mother, Several classmates of Bolu testified that he had gone around telling others in the school not to prepare for the exam because he had a plan to get it cancelled. But despite the growing murmurs surrounding this allegation, no further evidence was actually produced to support it and further investigations has ceased on this line of inquiry. In the aftermath of the case, not only did the safety of students in school come under intense scrutiny, the methods of the Gurugram police were also heavily criticised 
People were furious. Riots and protests didn't stop. In fact, it grew larger in size. Ryan Pinto, the CEO of Ryan Group, said, "We request all parties concerned to refrain from holding the Ryan Group culpable of a crime where it itself is a victim of unfortunate circumstances." The Central Board of Secondary Education, or CBSE, looked into the Ryan International School murder case and submitted a report to the Supreme Court of India that the school's administration had been careless. And negligent in maintaining safety and security within the school grounds, the CBSE also found that the school had completely failed to report the incident to the police when it occurred, and that it was the victim's family themselves who contacted the police instead. As of today, the Ryan International School's official website still maintains that the school is regarded as one of Gurugram's top CBSE schools. So far, all the evidence gathered points to Bolu as the culprit, but because he was 16 at the time of the crime, things got much more complicated. If he is found guilty of murder, he would first be sent to a correction facility and only moved to prison to complete his sentence after he turns 21. He cannot be sentenced to life or receive the death penalty because he is considered a juvenile at the time of the trial. However, If he were to be tried as an adult, he would face the Indian Penal Code, where the consequences are likely to be life imprisonment or death. In December of 2017, psychological examinations showed that the boy possessed the ability to understand the consequences of his acts, which prompted the court to declare that he was fit to face trial as an adult. But not long after, the Punjab and Haryana High Court. Submitted another appeal to the Supreme Court, urging them to reconsider. This halted all proceedings in the case. As far as we are aware, the legal battle continues, and a decision has yet to be made. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Heinous, an Asian true crime podcast brought to you by MediaCorp and produced by OneUp Media. If you would like to share some feedback or suggest other cases that you would like us to cover, head on down to our website at asiantruecrimepodcast.com. This episode was researched, produced, and written by Yeo Guang Jin, with audio engineering by Ethan Sam. Special thanks to executive producers Danny Cordy and Barry Toh from MediaCorp. We hope to see you again soon in the next episode of Heinous. Hey